welcome back to the Some Sort of Miracle podcast. I'm Ed and I'm here today with Nick. Hello. And our special guest for the episode, Julie Forrest. Hi there. Welcome to the podcast, Julie. Thank you. So could you start off by just telling us a little bit about who you are and about what your job role is? Okay, so I'm a Salvation Army officer and um, I have been for the last 34 years and um, currently I work on international headquarters and my job title is the International Liaison Officer for Dialogue on Human Sexuality. Wow, that's a that's a big job title, isn't it? It doesn't fit on a business card, that does it? <laughs> <laughs> it does, it takes up a lot of letters on a business card. <laughs> wow, so how did you find yourself kind of in that role and has that role been around for a long time or is that something new? It's a brand new role, um, so I feel very privileged to do it. I feel a bit of a pioneer um, because it is something quite new. The general, the current general, has made human sexuality one of his priorities for his time in office as general. Mm. And um, this, I came on the back of about four or five years working towards that, and um, I was appointed almost two years ago now. So yeah, I know you mentioned um, the term human sexuality there. I, I guess uh, a good question would be, how does that fit into for into your job role and, and what you do day to day? So my job role is um, I work internationally with the Salvation Army. So the Salvation Army is at work in 62 um, countries, sorry, not countries, um, territories, um, over 130 countries altogether. And I my role is to talk within each territory about sexuality and and what is important to them. So that's different wherever I go. So wherever I pick up a call, um, I could be talking about child brides. I could be talking about polygamy. I could be talking about um, marriage, um, violence in relationships. So it really depends on, on which context I'm speaking to someone. So that's that's really broad, isn't it? Like the the spectrum of, I guess, those different conversations. Is that what you expected going into a job role like that? Or, or is that something that's been a bit of a shock? I had no idea. I mean, my background is in sexuality. I, I guess I should really explain that a little bit to you. Um, and I think how that happened is quite an incredible story. When I was a young officer, I remember making a prayer um, and the prayer that I'd come across that I felt convicted that God wanted me to follow through was quite simply, God break my heart with the things that break yours. And um, I really wanted that to be something nice and soft, but actually I realised that God was drawing me really into conversations about people who are broken sexually. And um, long story short, I became a, a sex therapist and the Savage Army has allowed me to have my um, day job, if you like, and then also have one day a week for the last 20 years where I've worked as a, a sex therapist. So I kind of come into this role with quite a knowledge of sexuality and sexual trauma, um, abuse, um, sexual addictions, relationship issues. Um, I've worked with um, women who have been sexually trafficked. So it's not really a surprise to come into this role and to deal with sexuality. Would you say that um, with your with your time as a therapist, there's some very common themes that go throughout all those that broad spectrum of of um, of things that you described earlier with the bits that you cover in, internationally, 
or is it very nuanced and very different everywhere you go? I suppose, yeah, the, the question is, is, is it really boiled down to the same issues over and over again, or is it very different from place to place and from... There, is, there are some subjects which um, come up frequently around the world, um, and that's quite an interesting list, really. I think I've discovered that people asking for help with married life is huge, and I think there's um, we're in a day and an age where around the world, in different ways, people are saying they want to talk about married life and how people um, operate in marriages and have good Christian marriages. Um, pornography is a world issue. Um, and actually, my sort of deep concern about that is about how normalised pornography has become mm. and therefore the dangers of pornography can be missed. Um, so that's another um, sidebar. I think one of the other strong messages that I pick up is around um, partner abuse. So particularly gender-based violence. And we're looking predominantly there at women um, who have violence towards them because of the fact that they're women and, and, and sexual violence, obviously. So from any kind of sexual intimidation through to rape um, is quite common. And everywhere you go, there's a conversation about LGBT matters, but always seen within the Salvation Army world from different angles, depending on where you are and also what the law of the land is. Of course. Yeah, yeah. I know you said that you'd, you've been working for over 20 years. So have you seen that things have changed as the, as times progressed, different views have uh, have become come to the fore, and, and different technologies are available. I guess, yeah. How how has that changed the way you work and, and the conversations that you're that you're having? Um, yeah, I think it's something which evolves, and I think as a therapist, I possibly have also evolved from um, my very beginning days. But um, I think an understanding of things such as transgender and gender identity in particular has certainly moved on in the last 20 years um in fact it's hard i actually have been doing some um processing myself to understand what i'd learned sort of 20 odd years ago um to where i am today in, in my understanding and just trying to keep up to date on matters like that is it's a full-time job in itself really of course yeah yeah, yeah. and and that that sounds incredibly complicated when you take into account the international perspective and how different countries will have very different understandings and views on lots of these issues. How how does that affect your role then when you're having conversations in so many different contexts? I think what I try to do, and this is probably the therapist in me, um, I try to understand the person I'm speaking to from their perspective, where they're coming from. I have a, a great respect of culture um I, I don't think we understand our culture until we move out of it and see it from a different um perspective and so i try to hear the story from that perspective that that culture and understanding what they want to tell me so i'm not there to persuade somebody to think like i think or even to give them my view um i just want to explore with them where they are and where they hope to get to, what they would hope to achieve. Um, so there's no conflict for me. It's just a huge learning curve. And um, hopefully then there's some principles of 
how you would help people um, would would be universal anyway. So yeah, it's I, I often say my every day is a bit like a roller coaster, and I don't know what what's coming next, but it's such a thrill as well. I love the ride. So I imagine some of these conversations must get quite heated. There, there is a lot of emotion behind some of uh, some of these issues for lots of people. So how how do you go about creating an environment where people can have those conversations and not let that emotion get in the way? Or I think I possibly would point out to people that my role is for dialogue on human sexuality. Um, and I think dialogue brings that sense of it's okay for me to own what I think and what you think. It's okay to own that and to express it and to allow people to talk about um, the theology around it and, and what they believe the Bible is saying. Um, and then it's it's very much about individuals bringing their their thoughts and their feelings out into the open and we respect one another so it's not about a debate where you're trying to say, you know, look, this is this is where I want you all to think by the end of the day. There's no persuasion in it, and um, it's it's a it's a it's actually some beautiful conversations that I really feel very privileged to be a part of. And some people think it's really weird, but I don't set out with a conversation with an end place in mind. Mm-hmm. My only end point is to help people understand that they need to bring their sexuality before God and to understand what he wants to say to them about how they personally live. Um, We use a phrase, how then shall I live? So having considered the issue, having considered what other people say and having considered scripture and possibly science um, and possibly culture, that we then say, well, how does that impact how I behave that's really interesting. Yeah, I think the, the, we had an episode way, way back in the, the beginning days of the podcast that we, I think it was termed um, God is in the grey. And I guess that, that, that came because we were discussing something where there wasn't a black and white. It was very much a, a big grey issue. And I suppose what you're saying is that a lot of your role exists in that grey area where there's debate and conversation and uh, understanding going on so so I suppose m- my question would be uh, do you find that your your views have changed over the last uh, 20 years whilst you've been doing it as you're you constantly changing your mind and or, or I suppose yeah as that dialogue happens does it help you to consider other people's or things that maybe you haven't considered before I think um, not just only in the field of sexuality I would say as a person the things that I believed absolutely solidly 20 years ago, I probably don't believe that today. You know, yeah. I think lots of things have definitely moved on. Um, and so what I would say about sexuality is it's actually quite messy. It's a messy subject. Um, I don't think we can put it in a box and say, you know, that that's done. We don't need to discuss that one again. I think there needs there is a need for ongoing understanding and ongoing conversation. Um, and I think that's what we lack in the church. We lack that ability to talk about some of these issues. And so um, I, I'm coining the general's phrase, um, taking the lid off the too hard basket is um, a very good description of what I'm doing. And actually, that's challenging. It's challenging to me, but it's also challenging to the people 
that we do it with. And and I own that with them, you know, that this is not an easy conversation to have, mm. but let's talk about sexuality. Definitely. Yeah. And that's it. It's encouraging for me and I know for Ed as well, because we're constantly, I mean, within a month, I could have changed my mind about six times on certain issues that, you know, that like, two months before I was a hundred percent certain about. So that's really, yeah. Uh, yeah. Encouraging to know that I'm not the only one that, that, that things do uh, kind of evolve and, and change as you, as you consider more of it, I suppose. So, um, I think, yeah, the, the, from what you're saying about taking the lid off the, the two hard box is a really nice phrase actually, because I think there are things that we, we are guilty of as a church as to thinking, well, we don't want to discuss that because because we will have different points of view. We'll have different um, cultures, even within you know within a church in the UK, and different yeah points of view around that. So that's um yeah I suppose that's a, a challenge for for us is to to have those conversations and as you're saying to have them well as well to to not to be you know behind our flag arguing a standpoint but to to open a dialogue to discuss well what does that mean to you and what, what does that mean then to us corporately as a church yeah yeah it, it's it's such an interesting conversation about where are the spaces that you can have those difficult conversations and looking at um i guess where i'm at now i've, I've got more more of those spaces than i had when i was younger but growing up i certainly didn't have loads of spaces where these sort of within the church that these conversations could could flourish i guess and happen happen well so I, I wonder if you've got any i guess any i don't know advice or any thoughts on how you think these sort of spaces could be opened up within the church or resources or things that we could perhaps use to to encourage these conversations in in a positive uh, healthy way yeah so it's great really because um when the International Salvation Army with the general realised that they wanted to have conversations about sexuality, they tasked two of the Salvation Army's, the general's councils, um, to write them. So internationally, there's two bodies. One is the International Theology Council, and the other is the International Moral and Social Issues Council. And together, they have written um, a series of conversations, which are called the Let's Talk About um, so it's let's talk about human sexuality, it's let's talk about um, relationships. And um, then they're on very different subjects. So I have all of those resources available to me. And that is the conversation which I'm encouraging um, around the world. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's good that we've got some good resources already. That's brilliant. So this is one set of resources that you use across across the world in different mm -hmm. contexts. Wow. Uh, that must have been a real challenge for to pull together, I guess. I think the challenge is um, having a document that serves every country in the Salvation Army world. And um, the one thing I have adapted, because we had one which was on married life, and um, in using that, I discovered that the very first question that we pose is around, why did you choose to get married? and actually use it in a context where arranged marriages are the norm, um, it wasn't an appropriate question to ask. So we've adapted that one um, to be more culturally relevant. But everything else is we try very hard to have um, a document that serves everywhere. Having said that, I'm in the process now of writing um, with groups of people, one on dowry, 
and one on bride price. And obviously they are going to be much more used in um, other contexts that won't be used all around the world. But things like partner abuse, well, that's universal. And so is the likes of pornography. Great, yeah. I think the from from myself growing up in the Salvation Army in Yorkshire, um, it, the view the views of sexuality particularly were, were very much this is what the world says, this is what the church says, and they were very you know very polar opposites, and there wasn't much conversation in the middle here as to you know what what each side represents or, or what the views of each side were. It was just very much. These are non-Christian views. These are Christian views. Do you find that 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 bringing that conversation together helps kind of bridge a gap between those maybe conflicting ideas, or or do you say that they were perhaps ideas shared across the both that we're doing a lot better with now than than we had done previously, particularly for myself, say in the nineties, early two thousands, growing up in in church in Yorkshire. Yeah, I think it's always an issue because um, sexuality really does sit in that too hard box. And I think it takes quite a brave person to have that conversation. Um, And I think some of the problems, so if we took, for instance, the subject of pornography, what do you do if you sit with a youth group and you say, today we're going to talk about pornography and you've got 100% of your group say that they view pornography you actually then have got to have a pastoral backup of how you're going to deal with it. So I think sometimes there's a fear about what the risks might be um, in having the conversation. So then it feels like it's easier to not bother Mm. rather than to um, do it and do it well. Um, And I think these days, even if you don't have an opinion on something, it's good to be asked what your opinion is so that you can think about it and, and try and work out what your opinion is. Um, so I think to take time and allow space for um, conversation is really important and wrapping around that some confidentiality to that group, I think, is really um, quite significant as well. So it's about trust as well in relationships. Mm. Yeah. And I guess that the, these are all very sensitive issues, aren't they? Or uh, and th- they can be. And there, there could be real damage done if the conversation is not handled or not held well. Yeah, yeah. So there are times when I say to people, we do need to think about the risk assessment of um, what we are doing. So there are times that I might facilitate a conversation and I'm going to walk away from that. And so if there's any fallout from anybody, it's not me that's going to pick it up. So what I do is I safeguard by knowing that somebody in that conversation is prepared to do the pastoral work. And that everybody in the group understands that, that that is what it's there for. But these conversations aren't meant to be personal. They're actually around the topic. Right. Okay. So that kind of just gives a little bit of distance from it. But we can press some buttons in some people. I'm aware of that. And we have to be, be quite sensitive to that. Mm. But it shouldn't put us off doing it. Sure. Definitely. Yeah. I think, like you said, the, the more, uh, even if you look at the, the views that society's had on sex and sexuality from the Victorian age to now, 
We're, we are a lot better at talking about, I mean, it's probably the other way now we kind of live in this almost a hypersexualized society that, you know, compared to not being able to, you know, bare your ankles because it was deemed fairly sexual in, in the Victorian time. So I think we've kind of moved a long way around that, but there does, as you say, there is still kind of a, um, a very personal element and, uh, and a, a bit of, you know, taboo and shame around that as well. So it's really, really important, as you're saying, to get those conversations going for the first part, but mm. but go, get them going in, in a way that's properly resourced, as you're saying, with a plan. And I think plenty of people are talking about sexuality. It's just they're not talking about sexuality in the church. Mm. So I think to um, start saying, so what does the church think about this? What does the Bible say about this? What what do we need to think about if we are Christian um, and you've got a society that's very accepting of certain behaviours, but what about me and what about the fact that I'm a, a Christian as well? Yeah, yeah. And I, my mind just keeps being drawn back to this international thing because I, I just find that mind-blowing. And mm. I guess the fact that in some countries on like the LGBTQ uh, issue uh, it's it's illegal to identify as part of that um, that community so that that's really that must that's another layer of complication is it's not just cultural as in people's minds and their opinions but there are there are actual laws and systems that um, are complicating this conversation so yeah I mean there's certain practices that are illegal um, and that would be in quite a few of the Salvation Army's countries um, that same-sex relationships would be an e- would be illegal. And so it's not the subject that I'm going to necessarily talk to that country about. Mm. Um, and when I say it's too hard to talk about sexuality, well, actually, it's even more than that because they're scared stiff that somebody might hear that they've had a conversation about mm. same-sex relationships. Um, and to say we need to be more compassionate to people who are same-sex attracted it could be seen as propaganda and they could be at risk themselves so and also realizing that Salvation Army doesn't always sit itself in a Christian community Um, so some of these views are held in and say a, a Muslim country or a Hindu country and so it's not just um it's not just hard enough to talk about sexuality. It's actually hard enough to be a Christian in some of these places. So I, I think we have to have a huge amount of sensitivity to um, people of other cultures. And and so unless they would want to really talk about that, it's not something on my agenda to, I, I don't set the agenda about what we talk about um, sure. unless they bring it up like a political element to that as well i guess as well as as you say the church element and the people element that, that's the other missing bit that probably that we've uh, the freedom that we really enjoy in this country is that you know that it's very open debate um particularly outside the church um on certain issues whereas as you say for some people it could be on on pain of death even so um yeah that, i suppose that's a, a, a hidden complication that you might not consider um on the outset as to working cross borders and cross cultures and yeah it's, it's a it's a, a long job title but it's a big even bigger job isn't it <laughs> <laughs> so through these conversations that you've been having um in all these different uh, cultures and places what are some of the things that would come up that you actually think are quite a concern for the church at the moment 
I think some of the things I would see as the concern is um, around issues which I, I've been aware of for, for quite a number of years. And I realise that it's not just in my context, but it's everywhere. And that would be about how people come to church, but they're wearing a mask, they're hiding secret pain. And um, I think desperate for healing and, and desperate for the grace of God really to come into their lives and to to cleanse them and to heal them. Um, I think a lot of issues around sexuality involve shame and guilt and people don't know how or where to express that. Um, and so I see this as well in, in issues such as gender-based violence, um, especially sexual violence, the secret of what has happened to you, um, the feeling that you're, you're unclean. Um, and so for me, I really would always carry a pain in my heart to know that there's people who are who are suffering, but they have nowhere to share that or nowhere to take it. And I really feel like the church ought to be, in my opinion, a place of healing and of grace. Mm. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for all of that, Julie. And I guess one just final question uh, to put onto the end of this podcast is, what what is your what's your overall hope for for your role and I guess for the church in the in these topics? So I think coming out of COVID um, would be that we have opportunity to meet properly again face to face, and that we have facilitated conversations where people can gather and express um, some of their concerns. But I think my whole outline of it would be that our churches could actually be full of people who have a sense that that's a safe place. So, you know, somebody who goes along and says um, to their friendship group, I found Jesus because this church was so loving and accepting of me and who I am. And I've been able to find healing. And, you know, as I said before, sexual healing, that to me would be a wonderful um, description of the Salvation Army. So in a sense, that's what I would really always long for. But then that's about people, isn't it? Just that people, lost people would find the saviour. And that to me would be always my hope. Yeah, that's so good. Well, thank you so much, Julie, for being on this podcast. It's been so interesting to hear about your role and about all all of the amazing things you've discussed here. Um, So if you're listening to this and you think, actually, I'd like to Talk, talk talk a little bit about this more or I'd like to um, just hear what other people have got to say uh, please look onto our fa- our listener group on Facebook so if you go onto Facebook and type in SSOM listener group you'll find it there and we'll we'll add you to the group if you if you ask to join and hopefully there we can have some discussions around this and if there's any questions directly for Julie Julie are you happy for me to pass those on to you absolutely no problem at all Excellent. So we will do that as well. But thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.